Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of the Bridgestone Canadian Superbike Championship podcast, uh, a new adventure for all things CSBK. My name is Marshall Ferguson, very privileged to be the voice of the Superbikes, the GP Bikes Pro Superbike feature class from 2023 was my first season, and I threw this crazy idea at uh, Colin Fraser, who's alongside me, whose uh, resume speaks for himself, but I'll let him speak for himself in a second. Uh, and Everybody jumped on board. So we have a podcast that we're excited about doing. The purpose of this podcast, before we actually get into looking at what we're excited about, is basically to give people a different venue to learn about all things CSBK, to get to know the riders, to understand the sport, to pick, basically for me to pick Colin's brain, because my first year of calling these races on TSN, I've learned more from picking your brain, whether we're actually recording or it's the half hour before or after we're done recording where I just go, uh, Colin, what the hell was that? And then you, <laughs> you talk with me about it uh, for you know, endless amounts of time because you have such a great knowledge of the sport. So thank you for hopping on doing this. And uh, I'm excited. This is going to be a lot of fun. Well, often the chit-chat part is what yields the most information, yes. right? And uh, on when we're uh, producing the broadcast, we have a limited amount of time. And obviously, uh, the goal when you're speaking to video is to speak to video. Yes. Like, let's explain what we're seeing so everybody understands. Uh, so sometimes some of the nuance is lost or there just isn't enough time for that much nuance. And of course, if you read what I write, I, I can generate some serious nuance. <laughs> and I love it as well because in the off-season here, I've been able to get uh, even more knowledge from you because I have to admit, I'm watching basically everything on YouTube, whether it's Moto America at this point, Moto GP. Uh, my son, Noah, who's hanging out behind us here, as we'll explain where we are right now, he actually calls bananas Bagnias now because he thinks that Peko Bagnaya is the yellow thing that he has with his breakfast. So uh, I've, I've completely dove into all things motorcycle racing, which in large part is thanks to you. And of course... Well, also that's a mix-up because Peko has everybody else's banana for breakfast. <laughs> that's true, he does right now. I mean, the Ducatis in general, which I know we'll get to the interest heading into this season for Ducati over on this side of the pond as well. But we are at uh, the Toronto Motorcycle Power Sports uh, Show. This is my first time being this. I've been to the auto show. This is super impressive. Yeah, it's a, it's a traditional show. This is the industry show, so it's the one that's backed by the Manufacturers Council, the MMIC, who have rebranded recently. And, uh, of course, we're finally out of COVID and doing the things yes. we used to do. And I'm embarrassed to say that I first worked at this show in the 70s. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's been around for a while, and uh, it's always been the high-profile show. I remember the first time I worked here, a guy named Kenny Roberts, who was going to be world champion that year, was wow. here representing Electron Carburetors. I don't think you can buy Electron Carburetor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but Kenny Roberts is still around. That's awesome. That's good stuff. So, yeah, there's every manufacturer essentially is here. Uh, we're going to talk with David McKay coming up very shortly because he has some very exciting news uh, moving forward with his new program as he makes the jump up consistently from sport bike into the superbike category. Uh, wanted to have you on off the top here before we chat with him. Might be able to hang out with Ben Young for a couple of minutes, talk with Ross Milson, the series owner as well. What What is getting you excited at this point in the offseason leading into a six-round 2024 CSBK schedule we have in front of us? Well, I like to think because I've been doing this for a while, my, my interests are the practical ones. So it's always fun uh, people get involved in the fantasy of racing, right. and, and this time of year is remarkable. There's a lot of stuff to fantasize about. Um, the, but the nuts and bolts of how it's going to work, what can truly be competitive, how the rules have changed, uh, what what teams can benefit from those changes and also you know we're talking about McKay uh, it's a strange situation where that that class he just dominated or at least one pro sport bike which is our middleweight class has turned into 
such a rider development class, but the guys are moving up really quickly. So we keep loading in more people from the bottom coming yeah. from the amateur ranks. And of course, you know, what would you like to see David McKay, a champion in the quote unquote 600 class do? You'd like to see him move up to Superbike and that's exactly what he's doing. So uh, that is hope for everybody that where, where the pieces fit together. And, and also it's uh, a motivator. Obviously, if you're David McKay, you'd like to race against the top guys in the premier category and the difference in performance between a 600 category bike and a super bike is not day and night you know it's 125 horsepower versus 200 horsepower but you know at most port that's still a noticeable difference yeah, yeah well and i was going to say as well like for people that don't understand you know you say well you you've been around it for so long it's 100 120 125 horsepower difference kind of thing what does that actually mean for david like when he hops onto the bike going into first round shannonville this may like what is that going to mean to him well a, a big thing riders work on a fundamental uh, through the history of the sport is the connection between the throttle so what your right hand's doing in terms of opening up the performance of the motorcycle and your perception of the traction so what is the rear wheel doing and of course when you go from a bike that has 125 horsepower to 200 horsepower that initial pickup, that feel of the throttle becomes a lot more complicated because on a 600, after as long as David McKay's been riding it, and his was a 636, but nonetheless a 600 category right. motorcycle, a middleweight, um, you, you get pretty comfortable with what that bike can do. Now you've gone to a bike with way more horsepower, but also a bike with way more electronics. So it's not simple, right? How, how you're going to take advantage of that new performance and getting that comfort Sometimes it happens immediately if, if you're fortunate and you have the right people around you. Sometimes it can be agonizing. Some people prefer to go back to riding the middleweight. Mm. And, and it's interesting as well because I know from the articles that you send me that are from all over the planet online and all the rest is some guys love aero. Some people fight with it. Some people like the electronics package. Some people don't. Some people have a hard time getting used to whatever the, the ride is that they're currently on in a way that it could take a round or two. I mean, with Ben Young, you could argue, despite the fact that round one last year was just messy because of the rain and errors and the seat falling off and all the rest, he even said, like, by the end of the season, yeah, it was kind of like he didn't tell us it round one, round two, but when he came out of Grand Ben, he's like, I think I'm starting to, like, actually figure this thing out, the whole package. And that, of course, led to a dominant comeback and saw him take the throne in back-to-back -back seasons away from Alex Dumas. Yeah, I was just watching a bit of the CTMP coverage, and, of course, uh, the, his efforts there were unprecedented. It's very rare to get clear the way he did, yeah. and it's you know, we're discussing how far back you have to go where someone's had that kind of success at that venue, and it's the 90s. It's a long, long way back. But I think the interesting illustration of the point you're making is, is really in sport bike because you look at last year, everybody was so worried about how the Ducatis would tilt the table, and there were several of them. I don't think at any point more than one of them was working the way they'd like to have them work. There's a, a very long teething period. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, at the very end of the year, the revamped rules kicked in for the Suzuki, and right away, Right away, Sebastian Trombley I was going to say, Trombley's the one you're going to mention here because he just gets started flying. Yeah, and, and so it's, uh, you know, we all, a year ago, everybody was so concerned about how the Ducati was going to do. And, and for all we know, the Ducatis, you know, could be the dominant performer in 2024. But you can't tell, and, and the guy has to get comfortable, right? And, you know, Sebastian Trombley, a guy with a ton of experience on all different kind of motorcycles, um, you know, it's kind of a worst-case scenario for everybody else in the class that he was so ready when the rules changed that he had a bike and, you know, he just won on a Suzuki 600, and as soon as the rules changed, he was winning on a Suzuki 750. Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, it's, it's fun to think, too, about last year was pretty chaotic and hectic for Trevor Dion, the partnership with Jordan Soak and the Kawasaki falling apart, and then 
from the second that he showed up on that Ducati in the final round, I, I think everybody just kind of got a sense of there, there's a lot there's a lot there. Sometimes we look at people in, on different bikes and you think to yourself, like, oh, there might be something there. It was pretty evident, at least from my eyes. I'm interested to get your take that that pairing of Dion jumping on the Ducati and, and he seemed more at home than I expected in that final round from the very first lap that he was at, whether it was practice, quality, otherwise. So when we first saw Dion on a superbike, it was a BMW. I don't, I don't necessarily know it was the best bike, but he got pole at Grand Band on it, so right. that was important. Uh, had, had a bit of a struggle with the Kawasaki for a number of factors, no one catastrophic issue. Uh, but, uh, you know, he had a, a range of motorcycles to pick from at the end of the season, uh, and he hooked up with the Economy Lube guys with their Ducati, and of course that's a V4, right? So that, again, theoretically could be a definitive motorcycle, but again, it's a Ducati, it's different, uh, the electronics are much more complicated, and that they got in front of that bike and Again, I don't think that bike ever ran the way it could, uh, but throughout three days, because we had a race Friday, a race Saturday, and a race Sunday, which is not typical, that format totally worked in his favor, right? Because you could see in the video coverage, every time they went out, they were doing better. And I think on Sunday, you know, he, he was on the box, but I think he could have won that race yeah. if, if they'd had the combination with the tire and the fuel concerns and all. And, and of course, they're just not, they're not, they're going in against, you know, Ben, who's been hot all year and consistently hot recently on a bike they don't know that well. So they're, you know, there was a lot of scrambling going on there since then. You know, he's been down at Daytona. He rode the four there, the V4. Now he's supposed to ride, uh, I shouldn't say supposed to, he is scheduled to ride at the Daytona 200 on the twin as part of the factory team. Yeah. Uh, so that's a, a huge opportunity. And, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Dion is typically when he's at his best, he doesn't even look like he's going that fast, which <laughs> is very unusual. So, uh, you know, I, I think it'll be fun, fun to see if he can make an impression in the U.S. Obviously, the Daytona 200, very deep field, a tough place to make an impression. But I, I think at the minimum, he's going to turn some heads. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, um, I think back to, you know, you always make fun of me when we're calling races and, and voicing things about the big words unnecessarily. I, I believe one time I said, like, wow, the cinematography of Jordan Zoke in that first race at CTMP last year where it's, it's like Batman just bat out of hell, dropping down out of the pit lane, crossing the line, flying in, and in, he just charged all this way through the field. And I also thought coming into doing this podcast about the, the cinematography, the, the storyline that was Dion against Jordan Zoke, like at Shannonville. It was unbelievable how there were a couple races where obviously grid position is sometimes going to dictate this, but they, they just seemed like they couldn't get away from each other at times, and they had great battles, which in terms of a storyline, if you're somebody who, and again, this is the purpose of what we are going to be doing with this podcast, is to illustrate to people, hey, when you come to the track, this weekend, here's what you should be looking for. Here are the storylines going into this that we want you to care about because, again, my first year downloading all of this information from you, but I'm sitting there watching those races and go, oh my God, do people have any idea like the drama that this is between <laughs> these two guys, which is great for the sport. Well, and it gets even more interesting because Jordan missed the season, recovering yep. from injury. Last year was not smooth for a number of reasons, but more than anything, probably just his his physical challenges. Absolutely. Uh, so Jordan had a lot on his plate. He was trying to run a two-bike team. Um, that that didn't go as well as everyone would like. I think it showed some promise. And, and of course, the weird thing is, a year ago we would have been talking about, oh, who knows what that's going to be like. We went to a tire test in Florida. That went great. That Those two guys looked like they were going to have the whole season to themselves. 
before you know it, we're at Shannonville, it's raining, they're both on the ground, and now it's like this gigantic scramble to get anything out of the season. And it, we, you know, we went from not thinking they were going to do well to thinking they were going to be dominant to back to not doing so well. Right. And that's, that's why racing's fun. That's why it's so unpredictable. And, uh, you know, you, you, look, you look forward to what you don't know. Yes. You know, I, I, love, I love a wet race. I love a surprise. I mean, maybe Ben Young doesn't like wet practice. But, but, but this is what I always say to people. For those of you that are listening to this that don't know, like I do the CFL and TSN, and that's where I come from. I buttered my bread, if you want to say that, in football, played football, all the rest. And I, I could not agree more with you. People always say to me, like, oh, I hate how random the Canadian Football League can be at times. And I'm like, that's our strength. That, that's what's exciting. Like, would anybody go to any football game? Would you ever come out to the track if you knew the result of every single race all year long? It's what plagued Formula One last year. People just went, yeah, I'm out. I know what happens here. Well, and the other thing, too, is is when you're when you're involved, when you're there all the days of the event and you see practice and, and you're, you're, you know, you're very much watching the times and watching the behavior of everybody, you're looking for trends, right? And, that, and that's what I think is very interesting about the CFL because, okay, these guys came out of the gate hot, but they've got some problems. These guys stumbled, but they seem to be coaching and videoing their way out, right? Yeah. And uh, I don't mean racing is the same as, as professional football, but it, there are some, some similarities that make it fun to try and anticipate, yes. right? What do we see is coming? What do we, what do we hopefully catch that not everybody could see because we have the advantage of being slightly on the inside of things? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I will uh, <laughs> flash back one last time before I let you go here. The my favorite memory of Jordan, just because you brought this up and, and what he did last year, like you say, the, the physicality of the sport was very apparent, him coming back from his fitness not being good and, and a lot of the challenges he dealt with. But then it was, you know, I'm standing on the, on the pit wall with him at CTMP, and he's saying, yeah, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that, it's tough, and all And then it's, okay, lunch break. And then all of a sudden, I hear, and he's on a Kawasaki doing a demo, right? Because he's out, and it's like, he, he goes all three races. He beats the hell out of his body. That is the nature of all of these guys. And I hope that we can illustrate that for people throughout this podcast of just what it takes to actually hop on that rocket ship week in, week out, try to get yourself ready and try and push towards the front when you know the top competition is lining up right next to you on the grid every single time. Well, it's, uh, it's a tough group, and they don't talk about it a great deal because of how things have been going the last couple of years for Jordan. He's unfortunately had to illustrate that point. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking about him and his teammate from last year, Dion. I mean, he's old enough to be Dion's father, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, it, it gets to a point in all sports where we're discussing the age and how long and, and all those kinds of things. No one's having that conversation about Jordan's oak. Nobody's wondering about his commitment or his determination. You know, he's a, he is definitely a guy who's going to go into the boards and come back with the puck. Yes. That's, that's him. Yes, very well, uh, well put. Uh, the last thing I'll do for you here, Colin, is I've created some hacky imaging that ends with my favorite clip of you talking uh, from last year about the white flag being out. Let's, uh... This is the peak of the Bridgestone Canadian Superbike Championship as we head into the final lap. The white flag comes out. One lap to go. White flag flies. Our last lap flag. It's the white flag, the final lap. Last lap flag, one to go. One to go. That, that is the highlight of the year for me right there. So on this podcast, whenever we are getting ready to wrap up, uh, I am going to give us the white flag and get one more thought from you of something that is on your mind at the end of this podcast. What is that today from the Toronto Motorcycle Show? I, I think my concern moving forward uh, is something we talked about a fair bit is how are the Ducatis going to do? Uh, and I think, 
in Superbike is really the big question because given the very small sample size from Shannonville only, uh, those bikes were competitive, oh, yeah. and uh, Dion certainly seems to be a coming man, has been showing that for the last couple of years. So as much as Ducati are probably more concerned about sport bike in the middleweight division, I want to see what happens in Superbike with Ducati. Awesome. Colin, I'm excited to chat all year long, more than we already do. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank <laughs> Should you. Should be great. Welcome back to the Toronto Motorcycle and Power Sports Show in downtown Toronto. We're at the Entercare Centre and I'm very pleased right now to be joined by Ray Bonner, the founder of Fallen Riders and Coulter uh, Cooperthwaite. You made me nervous with the last, the spelling <laughs> on the car, I mean there, Coulter, yeah. it's all good. But yeah. events manager of Fallen Riders. Guys, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for giving me a couple minutes of your time. I'll begin with you, Ray. Just let us know everything that has brought you into the CSPK family. Okay, so... Um, we started the Fallen Riders in, yeah, we started in 2016. We're riders. Uh, we help. I was in a bad car accident and a bike accident. And uh, what I do is we have motorcycle events and we try to bring the motorcycle community together. We help Fallen Riders get back on their feet. We point them in the right direction. Um, we're very big in the motorcycle community and we try to bring it together. The, the Superbike races is something that we've always really wanted to do, and we really want to tie in the whole motorcycle community together. Right. Yeah. And, and that, that's our goal. Right. So there's two classes right now. There's Harleys, and then we have the Superbike. So we're trying to bring everything together. So yeah. with the Superbike, uh, the CSBK, we're going to have the events, all of our paddocks, vendors, live entertainment, stunt shows. So this is, this is what I wanted to ask you guys really about, because I, yeah. I've talked with Ross Milson, the series owner, about what you guys do and, yep. the, and the goal moving forward for the Canadian Superbike Championship mm -hmm. at all classes is essentially to create an environment that you're talking about by bringing everything together with the Harley and the, and the sport bike, super bike, yep. where it is, if you like being on two wheels, exactly in any yep. way, shape or form, yep. come out and enjoy all six rounds of the Absolutely. Canadian Superbike Championship. Right. And obviously you guys share the same vision. Yes. Absolutely. So our goal is to, it's never happened before to go to you can watch now, ride into a park, watch the superbike races, have stunt riding, have amateur drag racing, have live music, vendors, just bring the whole community together. Yeah. And we're really excited about it. Great. Do we have any teases on what we might be getting for musical entertainment? In the, uh... Uh, this year we were booking kind of late, but next year is going to be some big names. Awesome. That's yeah. great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I have to ask you, Coulter, begin with you, everybody that's at this show either loves riding, loves yep. somebody who does ride, but there's yep. always these connection points. What got you into riding? What, what gave you the passion? Oh, my dad put me on a bike when I was about, just before I turned four years old. And I, so I, I already doomed my little guy then, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <laughs> never going to get off. Uh, it's just been in my blood ever since. Amazing. And I'm sure with Ray, as soon as you get on a bike, there's I, nothing. I, I'm the same way. I've been, I started off on a dirt bike as a kid, yep. and just the passion, there's nothing better than riding a motorcycle. No. I, uh, I have to admit, my dad had a Honda Goldwing when, yep. when I was little, and he barely ever took it out. Yep. He, he was like, oh, the insurance, the tires, yeah. that's right. There's all the things that yep. anybody who's had a dad who has ridden understands these, yep. these challenges that go into it. But one day, I was like 10, and he took me to the grocery store. <laughs> and and right. I had this like delayed onset reaction yep. to it where oh, yeah. I, I didn't even think about it. And now here I am, 32, and I've got a three-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely getting a bike at some point, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's, I think, yeah. what so many people uh, kind of feel that are here and about. Just the freedom and letting go of everything. It's just, yeah. there's nothing else like it. Yeah, amazing. Uh, the, the events this summer are going to be a lot of fun. What else do you have going on that you're excited about within Fallen Riders? Uh, the CSPK and then uh, just bringing this is uh, taking up a lot of our time. Of course. 
But uh, no, the V-Twin Amateur Drag Racing is what uh, we're focusing on to bring to all these events. So now you can go out and watch these guys race professionally, and then you can take your bike down the track. Amazing. And you can watch stunt riding, which is really amazing. Explain the stunt riding uh, experience for people that might not know. Okay, so the stunt riders, you have a team of uh, guys and, and girls that are on Harley-Davidson's yep. that do all kinds of crazy events. Wheelies, yep. burnouts. It's hard to explain. And we also have uh, a dirt bike crew that jumps 30, 40 feet in the air. Yeah. And they, they, it, it's just, it's hard so to explain. It's going to be amazing. Right. That's awesome. So yeah, we're working with one wheel Wafia this year. This is my little guy that I warned yep. you about, yep. di oh. diving in on the interview here. This <laughs> Noah. But it's going to be a great summer. I know that we have a lot of events that are planned, and you guys yep. are really excited about getting out there. So thank you for being here sure. with us today, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you at the track as awesome. well as everybody else. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the Toronto Motorcycle and Power Sports. But I mean, we're here for the motorcycles. It's Ben Young. It's the back-to-back uh, -back CSBK champion, the GP Bikes Pro Superbike feature class, uh, wandering around and in full health after a, a bout of not feeling so great last time I saw you. Yeah. I'm so glad that when I saw you, you're like, I'm back. I'm like, okay, good, <laughs> good. We're all right. How are you, man? Yeah, good. Yeah, we uh, like you said, we ha we were a bit banged up a few weeks ago there when I seen you at uh, at the One Speed uh, Inc. shop, yes. Trevor's Daily Shop, and yeah, it was tough, rough go. I, I, I didn't really realize how out of it I was until <laughs> I was in public again. I was like, jeez, oh, I'm <laughs> such a. You know, I was very rude, but, uh, but I wasn't. I was just so yeah. I was unfortunately very sick. Uh, but, and we're, we're good to fire on I'm all cylinders again. happy to hear that you're back to feeling yeah, like yourself. Yeah, I can tell you, your energy you. levels are back, too, yeah, from yeah, wandering yeah. around here. Yeah. Uh, we got the uh, the big, beautiful beast in, be, in behind us here. It's got that gold number one plate on yeah. it. Uh, let's talk for just a second about that clip that we just aired coming in. Mm -hmm. When did you know that you were going to dive in on that section on the long track at Shannonville? Because obviously the Friday for Alex was unfortunate. You've talked about that. You wish that it could have been a battle right down to the Sunday. But... Let's be honest, like you went out and you earned that thing in that Saturday race. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Friday was tough for us too. We crashed in practice. Yeah. Um, the way, the, the, way this, the, the track was, I technically crashed at the end of the session, so it was completely a, a relevant lap, which I didn't know about till after the fact because mm. um, they waved the flag. Um, but anyway, yeah, I had a crash in front of Alex and then Friday in the race. Um, we know Shannonville's somewhat his backyard you know we had it's got 100 laps around there yeah. on all bikes knows the ins and outs you know we rarely ride there anymore and at all only the national races and um yeah like we i just knew that i had a tighter line through there and i knew that we had a such good front end feel with the the bridgestone tires on with the the bmw m1000 and i didn't really plan it i just kind of had such a good run out of three which i did have a few times but it never crossed my mind like boom last lap pass is going to be there right what crossed my mind was i just won yesterday and he had a dnf so let's just not do anything dumb but then on the on the other hand you the other shoulder you got devil and angel <laughs> the other shoulders being like but yeah the last two times you clinched the championship you just did enough and you didn't win it so in my head i'm like oh i could like win it with a win like what 
better way is it to do it right. especially when it's a it's one thing winning the race by seven seconds like we had at most sport but then when you do a last lap pass in front of the grandstand with real no pressure thankfully because of the friday um but you know what we put ourselves in that position we applied the pressure where it needed to happen um and we had our run-ins through the beginning of the year we had such a bad start to the year on track yeah. and people didn't like and that's just on track like before we even went to round one, we had a, a mechanical issue um, testing the uh, the week before, and that week we received an engine from Germany Oof. and went straight. The first time riding this bike was at Shannonville. I didn't even get to ride this specific bike until we hopped on See, it I, at round I, one. I had heard that, yeah. but I don't think that that was common knowledge for many yeah, other people, right? Yeah. Like, which is fine because I'm not one to like cry the blues and yep. like let everybody know what's going on and so all that happened that weekend the seat all that issue and then i'm pulling out of shannonville to drive home and the van breaks down <laughs> like as soon as i turn on to highway two out of the track <laughs> so i managed to limp the van back to the track and then we had to get it towed back to the dealership in Barrie, which is an hour and 20 minutes from us, closest dealership. And then we, um, that was us for like, we, had, we were vanless for like two weeks. And then, Amazing. which then led us into, we got the van back like Monday and we went racing to Grand Bend that week. And like, you know, we'd, we had nothing for that whole time. And then, so yeah, all that stuff going on in the background. And then Crazy. obviously the mishaps with round one and, and then round two. and. So all these small things that you just see the results after the race, it's all the backstory. And so, yeah, it, I feel like not that anybody deserves anything bad upon them, but like we had our bad luck and then it kind of swung around. 100%. Like, and, you know, we, we handled the pressure and because there was no, real no pressure because in my head, our series is so short. In my head, I was like, you know what? Like we're we out of this. It's, it's not ours to win. It's, well, it is ours to win, but it's more Alex's to, it was right. Alex's to lose than ours to win. And, and we and we applied the pressure. We did everything we needed to do. And Sam Guren did everything yeah, to help yeah, us Sammy. needed to do. I remember uh, like leaving so. leaving the final round at Shannonville and you know, Sam didn't have a great final round. He wasn't happy with yeah. his performance. Trevor Dion jumped on that Ducati. was pretty quick at the end yeah. of the season and, and really gave a push for his money. Plus, Jordan Zoke had a great final round as well and was for pushing sure. hard at the end of the season. So it was tough for Sam, but I remember stopping Sam in the pack and just going, dude, you do realize, like, obviously the constructors is a huge thing with BMW and what you guys accomplished. But I said, you do realize, like, there's no chance in hell that Ben finishes this thing off the way that he did unless you do what you did at CTMP, right? And he's like, and of course, you know, Sam's typical, yeah. like half smiling going, yeah, I know, I know, it's fine. <laughs> but I could tell he was bummed out in the moment. I'm like, I just hope he realizes how valuable yeah, it was CTMP was, right? Huge like, impact. Yeah. No, for sure. And like, I mean, it shows, you watch the races and I think I make it obvious on the cool down lap how much that meant to yeah. me and, and us when I realized he was second place and to have that three races in a row. You know, I know Colin had questioned the fact of what was I going to do in those races. I, obviously, race one, you're going to go all out. But once we established that we had that pace to win by that much, right. what was I going to do in race two and race three? Was I going to dial it back, slow the pace and get involved? And I'm not one to play games. It's like, I'll go out, ride all out, show exactly what I have and if somebody can hang, they can hang. If not, then, you know, we'd win by the seven seconds. And that's what we did. It would have been fun to, to hang back and play and get them more involved. But then you run the risk of other things happening with, you know, potentially get taken out, bumping riders, or potentially run the risk of having Alex lead a lap. And that was just, to me, that was more crucial. Yes. Uh, was the lap 
than trying to to mess around to to lose. You know, there was more to lose than there was to gain doing that situation. So yeah, put her head down and having having Sammy finish yeah. second was uh, was huge, and obviously stoked for those guys too because it meant a lot to everybody. What I yeah. love too is is one of my biggest takeaway memories from the end of the season when I've been thinking about it through the winter months here is when you finish some of those races, whether it be CTMP or Shannonville at the end of the year, just slapping the tank of this beautiful bike yeah. behind you. Like, like you could tell you were so in sync with that thing by the end of the season. No, for sure. And uh, it's tough to be one with the bike, with the tracks we ride. You know, you watch the guys in Europe and it's just so flowing and <laughs> so smooth. And and I feel like that's how we benefit. Like how, you know, we, we did, we ran well at Daytona last year. And I feel like that's because there's a lot, like there, that's quite a bumpy track. And it's very bumpy for some guys that are used to these smooth tracks. But for us, it's got nothing on Shubenacadie, yes. uh, Atlantic Morrisworth Park. It's got nothing on Shannonville, you know? And um, so I feel like that is a benefit to us. So it is tough to get into that rhythm on these tracks. But, you know, once you get that and unlock that, and it just it's just repetitive, just like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about what you have going on this spring. You just mentioned Daytona. Yeah. Daytona 200 is coming up uh, March 6th, 8th. I think uh, I talked to Trevor Daly, who is your teammate with Team Battle Axe. You guys are going down, obviously, a little bit earlier, yeah. get, getting your feet on the ground down there. Um, tell me about how this partnership came together, because I know this is something that has been planned for quite some time. These are not things that can be thrown together in a month in order to go down and compete at a high level. And I know that you were obviously racing down there at this time last year as well, but this year's effort, what, what is it that has you excited? Yeah, so Trev and I spoke about teaming up for CSBK for 2023. And it just it just didn't ha it just couldn't happen unfortunately, um, which is a shame. But we uh, we ran our own programs in Superbike, and then we had the potential of uh, of doing Daytona. And uh, we we chatted, you know, obviously last year Elliot and I did it with Bridgestone, and and you know we threw it out there to Bridgestone if they were interested in doing something again. And we did, and then uh, we Trevor uh, put together a presentation uh, for Bridgestone. Uh, and, and the uh, and the guys there at um, at CTMP and we had a meeting in our motorhome at CTMP and went through the potential of running it and the initial program was um, renting bikes uh, with uh, Team Hammer and running those bikes and then it came down to the crunch and it just worked best for us to, to build our own bikes so uh, Trev uh, Trevor Daly's building th those two bikes once he's been grinding man that guy he's, he's something special <laughs> he does some unbelievable work and he puts his heart into it and you can't ask anything more than that you know um, and yeah like those honestly like we're going to be very fortunate we're going to have some of the best bikes if not the best bike on the grid I 100% believe that and it's down to us uh, last year we did not have the best by far the best bike on the grid and we managed to do very well with it so uh, so just knowing these things and even all, everything down to the quick change stuff and the crew around me were surrounding ourselves with my guys um, and Trev has his guys helping as well but my guys in the pit stop who have been in that situation my dad's done it with us 
four times on the rear wheel, have him on the wheel, uh, Willie and Scott, and then a, f a friend of ours, Mick Vakovic, who races the vintage, uh, well, used to race the VRRA. Yep. Um, he's coming down as well. He, he's done the 200 with me back in 2013. He was a crew guy for us then. So we have a lot of experience. And then Steve Beatty, Sam Guren's guy, he's uh, his crew chief. He's going to come down and help Trevor as well. And uh, Roland Reedman and Kenny Reedman. And, and the list goes on. Pat Barnes. Like, it just all these things. And it's not just a conversation with Bridgestone, sign a piece of paper, boom, go racing. It's yeah. all this back stuff. It's from the bike to a walkie-talkie to gu impact guns to we like all this stuff, like brake pads, how this, that, the next thing. and No stone unturned, right? No like, stone unturned. Yeah. And like, if you're going to do it, like you have to do it right. Like, what's the point going down there? And that's the unfortunate situation of last year is we went down there expecting A and we got like Z, <laughs> you know, we didn't get B. We got putting Z. it politely, and yeah. that was nothing to do with Bridgestone or anything. Yep. That was just the unfortunate situation that we were in. But it was a learning lesson, though. No? A hundred percent, and a learning lesson uh, for sure. And some of the things, uh, something <laughs> new means something different to some people as it does to me. <laughs> new is not a year old. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so yeah, it was. Uh, well, I, it was very. I've watched back the 2023 Daytona 200 a couple of times to get yes. ready because we are going to be going down yep. and producing content down there and, and chatting with you guys as well. And uh, yeah, it is funny, like go, going, there's so many more bikes obviously on the grid for that race than we're used to with CSPK. 100%, yeah. And it's also the nature of the kind of the infield section of the Daytona 200 that I'm trying to find you because I'm like, I, don't, I don't wanna, like yeah. I'm, I'm going to talk to Ben when we're down there this year. I'm going to talk to you here at the Toronto motorcycle show so i was like i, I want to have a better understanding of like what that and basically you're left to just watching the ticker yeah and it's not because you're off the map completely but it's like i'm so used to being able to critique everything you do where it's like oh man ben, <laughs> ben really hit the throttle hard coming out of the final corner yeah. here at ctmp on the front straight and it's like i'm trying to analyze what you're doing to get a sense for how you feel on that track and you can't tell because it's just mayhem like yeah. what is that for you obviously you've experienced it and you're going in this year and you're excited because you have Trevor building the bikes, riding alongside you, having the support of all the sponsors that have yeah. bought on, all the people that you mentioned they are trying to help you. Are you, I would imagine, not to put words in your mouth, but at this point where you are less than a month out, it has to almost be obsessive. Where in your mind you're thinking about, okay, I'm going into this corner against, you know, this per I'm familiar yeah. with this guy, whether it's Chevy Forres is over here, or Stefano Mesa is over there, and it's like, you know those guys. I'm sure you're watching some of those guys. You understand the competition. You understand the bike that you're on. You're, it's such an amazing psychological experience, I would have to think, for you to get yourself prepped to go down there and compete yeah. with the best. Because you are one of the very best, and you believe you have one of the best bikes. So then for you, it just becomes, how do we put this thing together and go make no, some noise? Sure. Yeah, the big thing, like you're saying, it's all expectation. And, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's very tough, and it's a lot a lot of obsessing with and like you said you're watching these races you know I'm watching it too I watched it the other night and you know like I said we struggled with the bike and you watch me creep up the leaderboard and then I'm all the way up to eighth I think yep. leading the second pack and then pit stops where we didn't even get the chance to practice and we didn't have quick change stuff when guys were doing 42 seconds pits that's the pit window from speed, speed limit to yep. speed limit as they're 42 I'm like a minute and 18. Really? Like, so that's just like, you lose a second on pit stop, you know, like the difference between a second and two seconds on a, a 22 lap race right. at Shannonville is, uh, that's a lot. You, you lose that in a pit stop, that's your, you're kind of out of it, right? So these are all the things we're working on and, you know, getting dialed in. The beauty I have is done that race before, know the ins and outs, 
And I know I've raced all these guys I'll be racing with. I've raced against all of them before. Yep. I don't have this crazy expectation um, of, oh my goodness, that's Josh Heron. Like, I'm scared to be, like, used to spend months on end at his house, you know, like back in, in, uh, in Georgia and like, and like just things like that. I'm not obsessed about on track. Like he said, oh, it's Chavi Forrest. I'm like, you know, or, you know, was riding with him in Daytona last year. You know, I don't, obviously I respect these guys. I don't hold them on a different right. pedestal that I'm on. We're all human. Um, and at the end of the day, like the one thing I learned early on in my career is you deserve to be there. And that was one thing I struggled with when I like was getting pole position, like my first pole position, I'm like, like on the grid and like shaking. Like, yeah. oh my goodness, I've got the whole field behind me. But then you, th you, you reverse that and think like, wait, I'm the quickest guy here. That's why I'm on pole. So why should I be nervous? I just need to go do my thing and it'll come, right? And I thankfully learned that early on, that mental side of it. Um, and that's so when I'm on track, I don't have that crazy expectation or that crazy, like I said, like the starstruck kind yeah. of like, oh my goodness. You think about, okay, this guy, it doesn't matter who it is, this guy's got by me. It's going to sit there and evaluate and move on and process it, right? Amazing. So it's, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a big race, but uh, it's uh, it's only as big as you build up to be in your head, just like anything in life from more sports to everyday life. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that and just and going, going racing. I could pick your brain all day on, on all of that, the psychology of it, because I do yeah. think it's incredible. And I love that you, you paint it so clearly for people, which by the way, I listened to some different podcasts of MotoGP. Uh, good luck any other motorcycle racing podcast getting somebody well, so well-spoken. Most of the, <laughs> and again, there's language barriers, <laughs> yeah, but sometimes yeah, yeah. it's like, you know, hey, uh, Francesco Bagnaia, tell us about the bike. Is quick <laughs> and is, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, you can't get a whole lot out of guys, but not with you, Ben. The last thing before we get you out of here, and thanks for your time as always, is, uh, I know you, you guys announced the partnership with Kami Lubentire the yeah. other day. Awesome. Um, just give some shout outs to the people that are helping you guys take Daytona on because I'm excited as all hell to see you attack that track. No, for sure. We're really looking forward to obviously our full season with uh, Economy Lubentire. Yep. They've came on board for uh, Trevor and I Daytona and for our full year as they'll still be working with Trevor Dion as well. So that's really cool to be a part of that program and somewhat teammates with, uh, with Trevor. Um, and of course, like none of this would be possible without BMW uh, and of course Brid uh, Bridgestone it wouldn't be possible to do Daytona for Trevor and I without Bridgestone um, so yeah the like I said we'll have our the Vandolders home team BMW will be back in full effect uh, you know once March 10th or 9th hits the day after the race um, we're booming to superbike mode um, regardless of how Daytona goes uh, that's our next focus training programs different for the sport bike or the 750 as to the superbike so once I get home we'll be changing our training program again back to dial in the superbike and be ready for that season coming ahead saw the primitive pattern shirt too so I know you'll be grinding it out oh, with those yeah. guys to get ready yeah, for the season for so sure. that's awesome uh, yeah and I mean it's, by the way everybody go follow one speed Inc on on, oh, Insta on Instagram because uh, I've seen the bikes that you guys are pretty sexy. Yeah. The color scheme is pretty sexy too. The logos, the everything's yeah. coming together. I'm really looking forward. Obviously, you know, Travis posted a bunch on socials. I'm really looking forward to doing the full uh, reveal of that with our crew, pit shirts. It's all like, it's going to be Amazing. pinpoint detail, like 100% all the way. Well, and uh, yeah, Trevor's dialed in, that's if, for sure. If anybody wants to hear more from Ben uh, down in Daytona, just subscribe to this podcast because we'll be hanging out with you down there. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate Thanks, it.
That will do it for the official episode number one here of the Bridgestone Canadian Superbike Championship. Make sure that you are following along, of course, on the social media channels at CDN Superbike is where you can get all of the updates and information that you want leading into Daytona with that guy, Ben Young, and a whole host of other fantastic Canadian riders that will be down there. Make sure you do follow One Speed Inc., by the way. It is fantastic content. If you want to see how a bike really comes together, Trevor Daly and his shop. And then, of course, don't forget cspk.ca is your online home for the website of all things the Bridgestone Canadian Superbike Championship. My name is Marshall Ferguson. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you next time right here on the Bridgestone CSBK Podcast. <music>